Today's Old Testament reading comes from Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture, where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them, and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved, and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Savior. This is the word of the Lord. Please turn in your bulletins to our New Testament reading, taken from Ephesians chapter 2. We'll be reading Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 to 22. The Apostle Paul writes, Therefore... Remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away and have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we continue in the book of Ephesians as we are going through the lectionary. And just as a reminder from last week in Ephesians chapter 1, what we discussed Paul has described the power that you and I have in the Holy Spirit. And then at the beginning of chapter 2, in Ephesians chapter 2, he's describing our need for the salvation offered by Jesus Christ. If you have a Bible open or maybe at home, or you can go home and look it up, just before our text we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, he says, it is by grace that we have been saved so that none of us can boast that you and I are God's handiwork. So, therefore, that's why it starts out with the therefore in verse 11. He says, to remember, you used to be called uncircumcised. You used to be outside of the family of God. 
Verse 12, remember, says remember again. It's important, we're going to come back to that. Verse 12, remember, back then, before you were in the family of God, you who were separated from Christ were excluded from citizenship. You were without hope. And this is an easy, easy thing for many of us to remember, right? You remember before you knew and, and, and fell in love with Jesus. Maybe you're there now and you, you're, you're exploring this whole church Jesus thing. But do you remember what it feels like to be without hope? Maybe it happened in the midst of your pursuit of Jesus and you just had a difficult season in life and you felt like there was no hope. You know, for many of us, for me included, it's not hard to think of where I used to be without Jesus. I don't know about you, but for me, this is not, not difficult. I can quickly remember where I was and the way I acted and spoke and the person I was without Jesus. This is why things like giving testimony are so important, right? Sharing the things Jesus has done, what we saw with the youth a couple of weeks ago where the young people of our church shared their testimonies. This is something that actually in the coming weeks, just as a commercial, um, we'll have opportunity to do. That if people in this church want to come forward and share a testimony of what God has done in their life and how they fell in love with, with the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be opportunities to do that. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, remember, remember at one time you were separated from Christ. But now, verse 13, but now you have been brought near by the blood. By the blood of Jesus Christ, you have been brought nearer to God. By the atonement, the atoning sacrifice of Jesus, we are brought into, we are brought near, we are brought into the house. It's a simple picture Paul is painting. We used to be far away. And now we are brought near. We have gone from dark to light. We have gone from the coldness of the wilderness to the warmth by the fire. We have gone from despair and without hope to hope for the future. And he continues in verse 14 by saying, and this work of Jesus brought peace. That the peace came to destroy the wall of hostility, he says. Destroy the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Let me remind us, too, that this is not God's hostility to us, but rather our hostility to God. That when Jesus came to you and to me and revealed to us who he was, you and I had to divide, had to break down the wall of hostility that we had to God and to one another, which it comes up in a second. He says, by setting aside in his flesh the law, by becoming the perfect sacrifice... And in his body reconciled both the Jew and the Gentile, all people to God, and broke down their hostility as well. So not only does this sacrifice of Jesus Christ break down any hostilities between us and God, but also between one another, between the Jew and the Gentile. This is a really encouraging thought for us today. All it takes is for us to look at the news and see the hostilities in the world. See the hostilities of people who blame one thing on another or blame one issue on another or one country on another. And this is true, of course, of all of human history, right? Think about the time Paul was writing this. Think about the division between the Greeks and the Jews. Think of the division, as we know, between the Jews and the Samaritans. Think of all of these divisions we see in Scripture in the time of the first century that were existing. And Paul is saying to the Ephesian church that the blood of Christ, the cross of Christ 
Verse 14, he himself is become our peace and he has made two groups one and has destroyed the barrier of hostility. Verse 16, one body to reconcile both of them, Jew and Gentile, to God through the cross and put to death their hostility between each other as well. So the power of Christ not only has the ability to reconcile us to God with all things, but to reconcile us with one another in all things. Verse 17, Paul says, Jesus came and preached to you who were far away. He came to you. Isn't that a nice reminder? You know, Paul says this word remember a handful of times in this passage. We, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as Christians, need to do our best to remember that Jesus came to us, didn't he? That Jesus came and revealed love and grace to us. And many of us, and I include myself in this, said, no thanks. I remember being a teenager. And um, just over and over, just making the stupidest decisions as a young adult, making dumb decisions, and God just giving me grace upon grace upon grace. And, And for some reason, not accepting that all the time. And yet Jesus continually came to me and continually came to me. Maybe your story is similar. And this is true of how we see Scripture That God continually revealed himself to the people. Read the book of Judges. The cycles of apostasy in the Old Testament. When God would introduce himself to his people, he would also say, or send people, he would say, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You need to remember the things I have done. This is why Paul is saying remember so much. Remember you used to be away from God. Remember you used to be separated from Christ. Remember that God came after you. Remember that he broke down the wall of hostility. Remember these things. Verse 19, so that we would know we are no longer foreigners but citizens. That we have the same foundation as the apostles and the prophets with Jesus as the cornerstone. That you and I, Jew and Gentile, are being built together as one temple, the body of Christ, which we know now to be the worldwide church, right? At the time, he's talking to the church in Ephesus, talking about Jews and Gentiles worshiping together and coming together for the first time. If you want to read about this in Acts chapter 11, I believe, is the first sort of um, inter-ethnic church um, in Acts when they go and start preaching out where Jews and Gentiles are worshiping together. And so Paul is teaching this to the Ephesians. He's saying that you all together, Jew and Gentile, are going to become this building, this temple, this place where the Holy Spirit dwells. And of course now we know this to be true, that we believe this is the will of God. This is why in the Apostles' Creed, every time the last Sunday of the month we recite communion, we say the Holy Catholic Church. That is not the Roman Catholic Church, that is the Church Universal, the Church Worldwide. The presence of God dwells now in us. So what are we to do? What are we to do? I want to share three things with you, I think, that I see in this passage today that center on this word from the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians church. And they all center on this word, remember, right? Um, 
I was going to give a German example, but then I looked it up, and there's like four different words that mean remember in German, so I'm just going to say remember. Merken, bedenken, gedenken, I can't figure out the exact nuance, so we're just going to say remember. First one is this. Remember where you were before Jesus. It's really important, friends. The second one, and we'll go back through these. Remember Jesus came to you and to your neighbor. And the third one is this. Remember what happened, the prophets, the promises. Remember what God has been doing in the history of the world. Okay? So three things we need to remember. The first one, remember where you were before Jesus. Remember where you were without Jesus. What excluded you in your life story from the presence of God? What was life like before your relationship with Jesus? And be honest with you, remember your sin. Remember your selfishness. Remember your evil and your greed. Remember how you took advantage of people rather than serving people. Remember the desires of your heart before you knew about the love of Jesus Christ. I believe this is really important because as Christians, sometimes we have a temptation to pretend like we've always had it together. That we've always known these things, that we've always been following Jesus. Well, the truth is, is that many of us, again, I include myself with you, need to remember (laughs) that we haven't always had it together, have we? That I have been selfish and greedy and hurtful to people. And this one is not complicated, but it is very important. It is important that you and I as Christians remember what life was like before Jesus. And let me clarify something. We do not remember for the purpose of feeling shame or guilt. No. We remember for the sake of being able to give thanksgiving and praise to our God who has freed us from that life. We remember so that we can share testimony with other people about God and how he redeems us from the miry clay, how he brings us up out of the pit, how he brings us from darkness to light. We remember our past. We remember what we are capable of so that we would rely only on the grace of God to go forward. So that we would be honest with our brothers and sisters who are still far away, who would know that there is a way to find redemption and healing. So, that's the first one. Remember where you were before Jesus. The second one I want to share is remember that Jesus came for you and for your neighbor. And who was our neighbor? In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is telling a story to Pharisees and teachers of the law. You can read this another time. You can just make a note if you want. The story of the Good Samaritan. What happens? Jesus, a guy comes to him looking for a way to guarantee he could have eternal life, right? And he says, well, what are the greatest commandments? And he says, love God and love people. Great. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, great. And then the guy, it says, scripture tells us that this, this, this teacher of the law wanted to justify himself, Right? that he wanted to justify his actions in the sight of a holy God. And so he says, well, then who is your neighbor? Tell us, who is our neighbor? And Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. Many of us know that story. The story goes, if you're not familiar with it, is essentially a man is beaten and left for dead on the side of the road, and all of these people pass him up. 
until a Samaritan man comes by who was an enemy of the Jewish people. And yet he goes and helps this Jewish man and serves and loves this person in the way that God served and loved that person. And Jesus says, after telling the parable, who was your neighbor? He said, the, the one that, or who is the one who acted like a neighbor? The one who helped him. And he says, yes, go and do likewise. And so when I say remember that Jesus came for you and for your neighbor, what I mean is this. The neighbor is not just the person who lives next to you, the person who lives in your building, the person who you see to and from at the cope all the time. It's nice to be good to those people as well. We're not just talking geography here. What we're talking about is, are we remembering? Remembering that Jesus came for me, but Jesus also came for the person who is suffering. Jesus also came for the person who is struggling, who is hurting, who is cold or sick or hungry or alone. Jesus also came for the person who languishes in prison. Jesus came for the person who has no one in their life to share a cup of coffee with them. You and I would do very well to remember that Jesus came for us, but he also came for our neighbor. And so we as Christians, as Paul is telling the Ephesian church here, I believe is telling us that we should remember where we were before Jesus and also remember that Jesus did not just come to us because we're special, but as Nathan was was saying about the sheep, that there is many people from all different walks of life who Jesus is actively pursuing and that you and I would do very, very well to remember that Jesus is also pursuing them and that you and I might be called to help and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And lastly, what I see in this text for us today is that you and I are called to remember what happened before any of us got here. What has God done? You know, we want to remember our own sin. We want to remember how Jesus has saved us and how Jesus calls us to love others. But we also need to learn from history. We also need to be aware of the heart of God. And this is where our Old Testament passage comes in. Jeremiah was a prophet to the nation of Judah, the southern kingdom. He was first in Jerusalem, and then it was destroyed in the siege from Babylon, and then he was taken into exile. And his message that we read is full of warning, but also hope, isn't it? Verse 23, woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture. It's a message of woe. It's a message of these leaders, these shepherds, who have not done well in God's sight, that they will be punished. But then he also tells the people, but then God is going to go and gather his flock. And then we see the messianic prophecy. I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will reign wisely. And he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. Here we see in the prophet Jeremiah a messianic prophecy, a prophecy of Jesus, of the coming Messiah. The new shepherd who is coming, not like the evil shepherds or the shepherds who failed before. The evil priests and kings of Israel and Judah. But one who is of the branch of David who will bring God's people back together. This was hundreds of years before Christ. And this is the same message that Paul is teaching the Ephesians. That this Jesus came to bring God's people back together. That Jesus came in the first century to bring both Jew and Gentile together. And now for us, 2,000 years later, it's the same mission. 
that God is calling all of his children from all different walks of life, that God is pursuing all of them the way he has pursued us through Jesus Christ. And so for us today, church, we're not reinventing the wheel. There's no amazing new truth you've never heard before if you've been in church long enough in this passage. But we need to remember. We are called to remember what God has done. The impact he has made in our own lives. We are called to remember that Jesus came not just for us, but for our neighbor, especially the neighbor that drives us crazy We are called to remember that God not just is doing this with you or with your neighbor, but that God has a plan, a mighty plan for all of human history with which to redeem us, his people, to break down the walls of hostility that have existed between people and God since the Garden of Eden. And so we would do well to also remember that God has a plan and that you and I actually get to be part of it. You know, last week I mentioned this image of Jesus sort of scooping up all of his people with these giant arms about how we want to have assurance of heaven. We want to have assurance of the things to come. I was reminded of this reading Revelation chapter 7, a very famous passage. Many of you will have heard it. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one can count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the end, right? That we're all together. Every nation, tribe, and tongue, everyone, all the different sheep, the thousands of different kinds of sheep are together at the throne of God. That's the end. How do we get there? How do we get to that point, friends? Because we have assurance that the Holy Spirit has been given to us. We talked about this last week. We we know we have the power of God in us. And so you and I need to know that this end is coming. The end of unity under Christ's throne is coming. So you and I can now go out into the world and give of our time and our energy and our resources so that others will have the same hope we have. If you look at these three things I mentioned today, look at these things again with me. I think we're pretty good at the first one. We're pretty good at knowing Jesus saved me and that I'm better than I used to be, right? I get that. And and if I'm honest, I'm pretty good at the third one. I know I'm going to be with God one day. But I think our struggle is this middle one. I think our struggle is the middle one because you know what? It costs me the most. Remembering that Jesus came for the person I don't like very much or that I disagree with, it costs me a lot. For us to go out and live like Jesus costs us our resources, our time, our energy, our pride. To go and love people the way Jesus loves them is to do what? To lay down our very lives. Friends, this second point I mentioned is the hardest because it costs us the most. To reconcile and to gather together as one body under the throne of Christ is difficult. And you could talk small scale with what's happening in your community with your friends. You could talk big scale with what's happening all around the world. People scattered around the world and suffering oppression. 
It doesn't matter what it is you're called to help, but I just want to encourage you, friends, are you seeing things that are happening around you? Are you seeing the suffering that is happening? Are you realizing and seeing ways that you can help, that you can give? What other ministries besides IPC are you financially supporting that are going out and stopping injustice? What time and energy are you giving to educate others about the things you have come to know about Jesus? Emotionally, what burdens are you bearing to pray for those who are suffering? How are you, and I want, this is a tough one, how are you voluntarily entering into suffering with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Because when we look at the scriptures, when we look at the biblical models of justice and what God is calling us to do, God is calling his people to enter into the suffering of the least of these for him. That we would model this righteous branch, that we would model the good shepherd, that we would have no fear, as Psalm 23 tells us. It's almost like Paul is giving us a little bit of a blueprint for our life today, for how do we find more unity in this life? How can we learn from God's plan and what God has laid out? And I leave you with this today. If you want to have more unity in your life, if you want to have more fellowship with brothers and sisters and more opportunities to help and love others, let me encourage you. First, don't ever forget where you were. Remember where you were before Jesus and how much grace and forgiveness you needed. Remember that he came to you and to your neighbor. We are both offered this redemption. And remember, lastly, what God has done, not just in history, but in all the different testimonies you may have heard. Do not forget the suffering of others in your comfort and safety. And remember where we're headed at the end of all this. Remember where we're going together. That you and I are being built together now as this temple, as this place where God dwells. And so let us look around, enter into the suffering of this world. Let us model the behavior of Jesus Christ and let us give of ourselves. Let us give of everything we are, whatever that might be, so that we might be means and avenues that God uses to bring about reconciliation and peace in this world. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, when you walked this earth, you said, blessed are the peacemakers. God, thank you for showing us what that meant. Father, I pray that each of us would have the courage to give of ourselves. Father, I pray that each of us would share what we have been given freely. Father, I pray that we would have the courage to enter into suffering with our brothers and sisters, with our neighbors. Father, that we would emotionally, physically, with resources, join with your plan in this world. And Father, let us remember. Let us remember who we are now versus who we used to be. Let us remember how you came and sought us out and let us remember that you indeed, Lord, have a plan. Let us remember that at the end, Father, we will be with you forever, shoulder to shoulder with our brothers and sisters in Christ.
And so, Father, as you call all of us, as you stretch out your arms to bring all of us home, Father, I pray that we would have the courage to do that which helps your plan. Father, let us leave our plans behind. Let us leave our passions and our desires that come from selfishness behind. And let us only pursue what the Holy Spirit would lead us to pursue for the sake of unity under the cross of Jesus Christ. God, give us the courage to live like this. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.